Welcome to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast, the podcast for special educators who are looking for personal and professional development. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Reeve. For more than 20 years, I've worn lots of hats in special education, but my real love is helping special educators like you. This podcast will give you tips and ways to implement research-based practices in a practical way in your classroom to make your job easier and more effective. Welcome back to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast. I'm Chris Reed, and I'm your host, and I'm going to start with a story. I want you to meet Frank. I was doing some mini assessments of students for a training one time, and in walked this late elementary aged student, and I'll call him Frank. Frank had an aide with him, but he didn't want her in the assessment area with him. And as Frank and I were working together, I was watching his body language, and it was remarkably clear that he was getting more and more anxious the longer that we worked. His shoulders were inching up to his ears. His face was getting screwed up with his eyes squinting at me, and he was finding it harder and harder to answer questions. And we were just about the time when I was going to stop and take a break because I didn't think he could really take it anymore. And suddenly, Frank put his hands flat on the table. He sat up straight. He looked straight ahead, and he said out loud, breathe. And he took a big, deep breath in, and he let it out slowly. And he did that three more times. And as he did that, he visibly calmed down. And then he told me he was ready to go back to work. Needless to say, I was floored. And my first thought, having met many kids like Frank before, was, wow, I bet the teacher who taught him that never got to see him do it like that. So in the last few episodes, I've talked about students with high-functioning autism who often have difficulty with emotional regulation. Many of these students struggle with managing their anxiety and other emotions, and as I noted in episode 65, individuals with ASD are four times more likely to have depressive disorders and anxiety than the general population, and that may even be a lower number than it actually is. So managing their emotions and achieving emotional regulation is really key for these students, but it isn't an easy thing for them to learn, and it isn't an easy thing for us to teach either. So let's take a closer look at Frank's emotional regulation. To us, Frank's self-regulation may not really look like such a big deal, but for a kid like Frank, it was huge. First, Frank learned a strategy to help him reduce his physical anxiety and calm himself down. Taking three deep breaths was a pretty basic strategy of taking deep breaths, and he repeated it several times in the 25 minutes that we were together. But it worked. And I've worked with plenty of kids that I would be thrilled if we could find one strategy that worked that well. Second, Frank learned to recognize when he was feeling anxious. Plus, Frank recognized when they reached a point that he needed to take action on them. I noted in episode 65 that recognizing internal feelings is difficult for students on the spectrum. So just that step alone is difficult for some students to learn. Finally, he was able to take action on all of that in a new environment, which for a student with autism was pretty impressive. Yes, maybe his stopping so suddenly was a little unusual, but it worked, so I'll take it. So how do we teach emotional regulation like Frank's? 
I can't detail all the ins and outs of teaching all of that in one episode of a podcast, but I can give you pointers towards three strategies that you can integrate together that can get you started. And I have a free download for you in the resource library that can help you get started with one of the strategies and lots of helpful links in the resource links below for relaxation strategies to use with your students as well. And don't forget that if you're looking for strategies to prevent challenging behavior in your classroom, I have a free preventing challenging behavior webinar that you can watch anytime that's good for you. You can sign up for and find all of that at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 67. And you can also grab a transcript and the freebies and find pictures of the things that I'm talking about all at that site as well. Plus, if you're looking for even more resources to help with challenging behavior in the classroom, we have a whole course on behavior, plus tons of resources and workshops, plus even more individualized help in the Special Educator Academy. So come give us a try with a seven-day free trial at specialeducatoracademy.com. Now let's get started. So the first tool that I want to talk about today is about identifying how the student feels, because that's our first step in emotional regulation. And the first tool I want to talk about is the incredible five-point scale. Carrie Dunn Burren created the incredible five-point scale. It's one of my favorite tools for teaching students to begin to understand how they are feeling. To me, the five-point scale helps students to learn how to recognize their internal feelings and later to connect those feelings to actions to address them. I've talked about it in a blog post, and there's a link in the blog post about this back to that with more detail about why I think it's amazing and what its features are. But briefly, when you teach students to use the five-point scale, you teach them to rate how they are feeling from a one being calm to a five being highly anxious or explosive or being in a full meltdown or however they describe it. And the key is how they describe it. You work with the student to describe how they are feeling at each point on the scale. So they might say, I'm feeling a little four. I'm getting really upset. I feel like I'm going to fly apart or I feel like I'm going, my head is going to explode. The next thing that I like about it, that when they're able to identify how they are feeling, you can start connecting it to what they can do to change that. So if I'm feeling like a four, I can identify strategies that I can do to bring that number down. So next to the four, I might identify taking deep breaths, playing basketball, or removing myself from a situation as strategies to calm down. I can directly relate the strategy to how I'm feeling. And I can identify specifically that when I start to feel like a three or a four, I should start taking action for emotional regulation. And as a sideline, one of the things I also really like about the five-point scale is that it's really easy to do it low-key So especially with those adolescents that are very aware of how other students see them, it's really easy for them to say, I feel like a five, I feel like a four, I feel like a three. They don't have to describe their feelings. They don't have to use a lot of language. It's really easy just to go back and forth with that kind of shorthand. And it takes the judgment out of it, which is another thing I really like. You'll find tons of downloads at Carrie's site, which I will put in the blog post, which is also linked in the show notes. Tool number two is regulating emotions with square breathing. 
And our next step in emotional regulation is knowing how to regulate. So for Frank, it was taking those three deep breaths. The hard part with taking deep breaths for many students on the spectrum is they don't know how that feels. And many that I've met end up almost hyperventilating because they breathe too fast. And visuals can help with that. Learning to breathe in and out is a good way to regulate breathing. Regulating breathing is a great way to reduce anxiety in particular. But one visual that I particularly like is the one of square breathing. Square breathing is when you breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of four, breathe out for a count of four, hold for a count of four. The visual is essentially following those four actions around a square. One of the things that I like about square breathing is that it focuses the student on the graphic and on the process. So it's more than just taking three deep breaths. It's specific about how you do it. And I also like it because it can also be useful so that they can practice the breathing by smelling the flowers, breathing in by their nose, and blowing out the candles, breathing out through their mouth. So I've got a square breathing freebie for you in the resource library that you can download in this post. Uh, so you can hop over to autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 67 and grab it there. P.S. as an aside, I have found that this visual comes in very handy sometimes for staff at IEP meetings. So you might just want to keep it handy for that. Now, obviously there are tons of ways and strategies to teach self-regulation and deep breathing is only one of them, and square breathing is only one of those. Progressive relaxation is another, and I've talked about that in a post, and I'll put that in the resource links. But square breathing is often a really simple, easy way to start. And so that's why I, I put that in this podcast episode. And finally, tool number three is check-in, check-out. If you've implemented and taught tools one and tool two, You've taught your student to identify when they feel upset and anxious, and you've taught them what to do when they start to escalate in those feelings to reduce them. Next up is starting to really implement those strategies throughout the day. Now, let's face it, we all have emotional regulation strategies we use that sometimes fail in the real world. And I should note that all of this applies whether we're dealing with anxiety or anger management any kinds of emotions this applies to. I just keep talking about anxiety for some reason. Everything is going great in the real world until it's not. And that's when we really need our strategies to kick in. But if the strategies are new, that is probably when they aren't likely to be really automatic. To get to more regular use of regulation strategies, students have to practice, but they also need regular reminders, guidance, and check-ins to do that. And that's where check-in, check-out comes in. Check-in, check-out is a research-based strategy used typically as part of tier two positive behavioral support, although it has other applications as well. It's designed to be used with an adult or typically a set of adults, typically someone that the student trusts that they're going to meet with before or after class or before or after and after school. I've typically found it useful to have regular check-ins throughout the day, particularly for dealing with students who have either a lot of anger issues or a lot of really severe anxiety or depression. 
And the way it works is that the student and the adults establish behavioral goals to be met. So in Frank's case, it might be staying calm in an unfamiliar situation. Taking three deep breaths when needed might be another goal. If Frank were using the five-point scale, a goal might be keeping my emotions at a three or lower on my five-point scale. Another reason I like it, it's easy to write goals for. Typically, there's a reinforcer for meeting the behavioral goal at the end of the time that's set and the reinforcers administered, obviously, by the adult. And there's a behavior report card or some kind of point sheet that's used to track the behavior over time. And that report card goes home to the parents to communicate progress to them as well. And I'm going to include a tip sheet with links to some references and more information about check-in, check-out in the post as well. One of the byproducts about check-in, check-out for students with anxiety is that it also provides an opportunity to talk about what worked and what didn't about the systems. It also gives the adults kind of a window for those students that are struggling with anxiety or depression to be able to assess if there's more going on that they need to know about and to catch some of the red flags that we might not catch otherwise. It also allows them to work with the student to problem solve when something didn't work to be able to make changes to the strategies to account for unforeseen stressors and situations. So as I said, I could spend days talking about emotional regulation. And in fact, when I talk about behavioral support for students with high-functioning autism in training, that's exactly what I do. But these are three strategies that when you use them together can at least give you a starting point or some things to try. So don't forget to grab your free square breathing visual from the resource library at the blog post. And you can also get a transcript and links for more information at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 67. You'll also get the link to sign up for the free webinar on preventing challenging behavior there as well. I'm going to be taking next week off, but I will likely have a blog post up instead of a podcast. So you can find that on the blog as well. But I will be back in two weeks with a new podcast episode. So be on the lookout for that. If you're working with students who struggle with emotional regulation and have strategies you've used for it or looking for them, I'd love to hear more about it. So hop over to our free Facebook group at specialeducatorsconnection.com and answer the three questions and share them with us. Thank you as always for everything that you do for your students and for joining us today. I hope to see you again in two weeks and on the blog next week. <music>